Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Teach Me to Talk with Laura and Kate. I'm Laura Mize, pediatric speech-language pathologist. Right on cue, and I'm Kate Hensler, <laughs> developmental interventionist. How are you tonight, Laura? Oh, I'm great. How are you? <laughs> I'm always relieved when I call in and I don't hear you talking. I, I had 17 <laughs> seconds tonight. Whew, that was pretty close. And, I'm, and I was saying to Jolly, okay, I'm on the five-second countdown, and Kate's not here yet. Here we go. So anyway. then he says, cue Kate. Here she is. Yeah. <laughs> I have a good excuse. We've had to move, officially move out of our old house today because, you know, we sold it, which we're thrilled about. But Oh, that's exciting. I didn't know. Yeah, yeah, we sold it. And I didn't think there was much there. And Bill was like, oh, yes, there is. Well, guess what? He was totally right about that. There was a lot there. So. Oh, gosh, are you tired? I've been busy, yeah, and we're still not done, but we put a really good dent in it. So, so anyway, we close on Friday, so we need to Well, how exciting for you. I didn't yeah. know. I guess it was kind of a busy week. We didn't really talk as much as we have in other weeks, especially toward the end of the week. Right, right. Yeah, well, I had a tummy thing trying to at the finish end of the week. Book. I've been trying to finish a book, and then I was pretty sick with a tummy thing at the end of the week. And then, oh, uh, I didn't get to hear been... about that. <laughs> Lucky you. But now everybody's heard. Oh, good. <laughs> and then we uh, went to Lexington to pick up one child on Friday, and we delivered him back today and then visited with our oldest son, who doesn't seem to find his way home as often as the younger ones. So well, because he stays for the basketball games. He's like his father and crazy about U.K. basketball. Well, who could so, blame him? If he could get seats, I'd go to Cool. I know, I know. So it's been a busy weekend, but it's good to settle in and do the show. We are supposed to be doing the second half of the show that we started last week, which is talking about outlines for therapy sessions, and we're supposed to have a caller. I hope that she's not forgotten and that she calls and that I reminded her that our time zone is probably different from her time zone. <laughs> Um, so I do hope she calls in, but until then, we'll just gab away and, and move right I along. She confirmed it was 6 Eastern, so if she's listening, what do we need to tell her to do so that she can <laughs> she can call in? Well, Give her the, the call-in number. number. Yeah, that would be important. That would be important. It's one seven one eight seven six six four three three two. And if you're listening live and would like to save Kate and me, you can call us at any time. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. Um, let's Before we talk about that, I do want to talk about uh, Therapy Tip of the Week, a video that I'm posting every week, and I got the latest one up on Friday. And boy, have I gotten the emails about that. Uh, I really about, like it, too. It's my favorite so far. Um, I think they're all good, of course, but this one I just think is really helpful. Well, I liked that one a lot, and I've gotten some comments, a couple comments on YouTube. And, of course, when somebody watches it on YouTube, they're just finding it through YouTube. They don't even know about teachmeetotalk.com or the Facebook page or anything like that. And so getting those comments, that's been nice. But I've gotten several emails about it in 48 hours. So that's been great, and I'm glad therapists are liking that. And as one person wrote, on the website, she said, I like the podcast, and I've listened to that for a long time, but just seeing 
the toy and hearing your different ideas about it. It's quick and it's very visual. And so I just wanted to um, point that out for anyone who's not had a chance to take a look at those. You can find those on the website, and they're all there on the first page for Therapy Tip of the Week. And the ones that are upcoming, there's the one this week is about uh, introducing or talking about or working, teaching clothing items, and that's where I'm finally going to use the washer that I still haven't gotten to you. Yeah, that what did thing. happen to that special delivery <laughs> you were supposed to be making? It. That's well, okay. Make the therapy tip of the week, and then I'll know how to use it to its full potential. It's cute. It's really cute. And so that's going to be this week. And then the upcoming weeks, I have some ideas for Easter with Easter sensory boxes and then doing some things with Easter eggs, which I think are always fun. Yeah. And Easter then one. Yeah, and then uh, there's one about all the, our most favorite ball toys. And I think ball toys are so important because that's a staple that you start with with lots of children. Those are things that you're probably introducing your first session or two because it's so appealing regardless of what's going on with the kid. So um, routines with right. uh, ball I don't toys know. that I mean, we've talked ooh. about. And boy, do I have a wide variety, as I know you do. I mean, yeah, and I had some really, kids, that's about all ahead. they're really interested in early on. You know, I mean, that's the one thing yeah. that you pretty much can be guaranteed to entice them with. So you need a big variety, not just a ball, you know. Right. <laughs> and I had a hard yeah. time kind of uh, narrowing down which toys I wanted to use for that. And mm-hmm. so that that I think that's going to be a... a big hit too as far as giving people some new ideas and the greatest thing about using a ball toy is you have a really good shot that a kid will be able to understand and say that word (laughs) right i know it's it's a great early first word yeah it's a great target so i wanted to tease that a little bit that's upcoming you mentioned the new book that's going to be out in march for sure so i'm very excited about that and it's called building verbal imitation in toddlers so that's very exciting that that's um, going to be out there. And we've talked about this topic before, but it really walks you through what you would do from the very beginning with a child who had no idea of how to imitate. And you've seen the charts that go with that, Kate, the activity suggestions, but it's 100, 125 Damn. pages. I got them before they were even published, thank you very much. <laughs> Yeah, and you'll be looking at the early copy of that book this week. Um, oh, good. Get that advanced good. copy. But the um, I'm so excited about that project, too, and I think it's going to be really, really helpful for a therapist and helpful for a therapist who, who know that a kid, when they know a kid can't imitate yet, but they don't really know what to do to get a kid ready to imitate. And so I think it's going to be great information, and I, I'm so excited about that. So that will be upcoming in March. Which is a fair number of our kids, at least those early on, um, you know, who are still pretty behind. Yeah, and I think a lot of therapists kind of hit the ground running trying to get get them to talk. And it's like, uh, there's a lot of things that have to come before that talking part. Right, or if they think, okay, Mm -hmm. he has a word or two, he's ready. When that Uh may not be the case at all. So there's some other things to do, and they're all developmentally appropriate activities and, again, prerequisites. And so I'm excited about that. That'll that'll be really cool. And I'm sure we'll have another 
mention or two about that in the next couple of weeks. One other thing that I wanted to mention is on Pinterest. Did you, are you doing Pinterest yet, Kate? I know you got. Don't even go there. It's still a very sensitive subject. <laughs> I'm going to have to come to your house, and we're going to. That's I get a heart palpitation every time I get an email that says so and so is following you on Pinterest. I'm like, I don't have anything on Pinterest yet. I'm waiting for Laura to come home and help me. I need a remedial tutor, your AKA daughter, Laura, adult yeah. daughter, to help me. Get yeah. the whole Pinterest thing worked out. She has a number. Well, of- I yeah. wish that when I had done Pinterest and had done a board for therapy recommendations, that I had split it into different boards, and that's certainly something that I hope I can do over after this, after the new book's officially for sale and all that's completely wrapped up. But there's, if you do Pinterest on Pinterest, I am just Laura Mize my name, and then there's um, the board that I'm doing that's therapy recommendations, and I've recognized some of the people who, you know how they say people, you get a notification the following, like you just mentioned, and I'll recognize people's names from conferences, and I'll think, oh my gosh, that's so cool, and I love getting to share therapy ideas that way, and some of the new things that I'll be doing on Therapy Tip of the Week have started from or have been tweaks to um, ideas from Pinterest. So if you're not doing Pinterest, that's another great way to get good therapy-related ideas. And apparently ideas. more and more people are doing it because, as I said, I keep getting emails that say <laughs> so-and-so's following you. I'm like, oh, I wish I had something cool to show them. Oh, it's well. pretty cool. I like yeah, I know. It is. I know. And I've yeah. got a bad start and need some help getting redirected. So when Laura comes home, she has definitely some chores to perform for her mother on the <laughs> In the tech department. Bill's great on computers, but the whole, all the, that social stuff is not his cup of tea, so. Yeah. I did tell him about Pinterest, though, but. And he was so well. interested, right? Yeah. He joined he said, right mm-hmm. away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> about like Facebook. It took him about, oh, four years, and that was only because they kind of made him at work, so he finally did it. Oh, that's funny. Well, mm-hmm. I just wanted to mention that because I've gotten some great ideas. And, again, it's so cool to me. For I'll see somebody's name that I remember. Oh, I met her in Lexington. Oh, I met her in Indianapolis. Oh, I met her in Dallas. Oh, you know, and so it's uh, – and I'm pretty quirky about remembering people's names. So You are. That's been fun, <laughs> too. That's been fun to see that. All right, let's get to what we're talking about tonight with our sample session outlines. And we we started talking about this last week. So if you have not listened to last week's show, you may want to stop listening now to this week's show. Back up and listen to last week's show so a lot of this will make more sense. But one of the things that, that we started talking about last week right at the end is actually how we decide what we do. We talked a lot about planning last week and how the considerations that we would take um, in determining what materials we were taking into a child's visit, and we were considering his regulatory level, meaning how much he needs to get up and move, how much we might have to do at the beginning to get him to settle down or either rev up, and a lot of times it's a combination of both. You want them so they're peppy enough and hyped up enough to talk, but not so hyped up that they can't sit down and play with a really cool toy with you. And that's a balancing act, I think, where you get a kid kind of in between at that at that right spot. And I don't right. think we talked about it last week, but one thing we talk about all the time is you never start with kind of the most difficult or most complex or hardest thing you want to do with a kid. I always start with something that they love and that they're good at 
And most of the time, it's something they loved from the last week or two so that they can remember it and remember how much fun it was. And it's almost like you pick up, not quite where you left off, but you want to pull them in right from the beginning with something that's pretty fun, pretty enticing, and where you know they can be successful. And we've talked about that a lot. We, You and I kind of call it, you know, I've got to warm him up. And so you start with things that you know that they can do. Now, I, I will take say, a- Laura, um, I, this is not a this is not a controversy show, but I'm going to be a little controversial here and say that sometimes with some kids, and I'll, I'll give a more. You've clarified it in there for quantified it. Go ahead. Yeah. When, <laughs> is that um, what you mean? Yeah. Well, yes. If it's a kid that I've been working with for a while and we have a good routine and I know what they like and I can get them to play pretty easily, sometimes I will, and this may be the developmental interventionist in me, um, I will sometimes start with something I kind of think they won't like too much, something like a puzzle or it, particularly for kids who – maybe find motor motor planning things are difficult and they don't tend to like those things, like a mm-hmm. shape sorter or a puzzle, because mm-hmm. there's so much manipulation involved, they're not very good at it. I have found sometimes with those kids, I'll go ahead and start with those. Only once they really like me and they really want to play with me. And they're you know excited I mean? like, because they've seen yeah, you just hit the door. Me is yeah. enough for them to be ready right. to play. I never start right. with that on a kid where... I'm not that secure where I'm still working to right. get them to love what we do. But once right. they're there, sometimes I will start with those, as some therapists like to refer to them, less prefer, non-preferred activities, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, it always That always tickles me when therapists say, get, get a kid to engage in functional play with non-preferred activities. I always say, well, first you have to establish what he prefers to know what he doesn't prefer. But anyway, And how do you know that unless you play with <laughs> lots of different stuff? I know it is right. kind of a – and I've used right. that terminology before. I think when I use it, I mean kids who are so – I never use it with a kid that I think I, – well, let me just back up for a second. I would only use that terminology, and I could probably count on my – fingers the number of times that I've even really thought about that as a goal for a kid, Mm -hmm. but it would only be for kids who were so restricted in their interest and their likes. Right. Because otherwise you just... And I've heard it it used when therapists, um, you know, what sometimes they mean those sort of things that just to get them to do things that are more taxing, fine motor-wise, motor planning-wise, but... Usually it's therapists who don't really necessarily know what the kid likes and the kid doesn't right. really engage with them that well. And it's mm-hmm. like, well, I, you know, jokingly, I always think, well, you got to establish what they like so you don't, so you know what they don't like. Right. Um, but I, so I'm not talking about in those cases. If if I okay. haven't established a good rapport with a kid where I know what they like, and I mean, I would right. never start with a new kid with a puzzle. You know, I mean, right. mm, probably not. It's going to be more fun. Yeah, me either. Right. But once I'm already in the groove, sometimes I will do those things first only because I have found that they're, that's when they're most motivated to, um, you know, really get in there and start doing it, and I find that I might get them to do it a little bit longer mm-hmm. than I would if I introduced it later in the session because they're really yeah. enthusiastic. And it's like I have found that eh, they still don't love them. 
you know, I mean, right. that's my point is that I'm kind of going with something I know is hard for them, but they'll right. try it just a little while longer. And my theory is, you know, if it's one more piece in the shape sorter or one more effort with the puzzle, then that's we're building, it's getting better. So normally I do what you do. I hit the ground where mm-hmm. I do something I know is a big success. And But once I'm in the groove with the kid, I will sometimes. And I know it's like, you know, they kind of look at me like, Kate, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's not so much fun. It's like, I know, just give it a little time and we'll move right on. And they know. But, you know, I'm kind of using that initial enthusiasm to see if I can't get them to try a little. Because later in the session, if I tried, these are the kids that later in the session, if I tried it, they wouldn't even try. You know, so yeah, it's like, well, I, at least I got them to try. Yeah, and I appreciate your point about that. And I think I'm thinking about more verbally that I'm going to start with something that I know that's relatively easy for them right. to oh, say. Totally I would, agree. Yeah, yeah totally I would agree. never start with new word targets right off the bat. I would start with things, really cueing things and modeling words that they've said before. If they're not at the word level yet, whatever level we're working at, if they're well, and see that is that does kind of tease out the well. That's the di in me because you know exactly. Currently, I mean, a lot of times one of my outcomes or goals is. Want to get a kid to engage in functional play? Want to, you know? Right, right. And so and that makes it's a not lot always sense. right. It's not always speech be speech be speech. Although it is a lot of times speech be speech, and certainly right. that's what parents are always focused on. But I do kind of feel a little responsibility to try and get them to build some skills they don't have with their play skills, with their fine motor skills, mm-hmm. with you know, with some kids. Sure. And so yeah. But speech-wise, absolutely. If you want to get them talking, do not lead with, I mean, you lead with fun and exciting and engaging and familiar. Yeah. And for a lot of kids, for me, that's starting with either a movement activity or a social game. And this is, again, for kids right at the beginning where Mm -hmm. you're not, you're still working to establish that relationship. If you have a kid that's at the point where he's sitting down where you play with him normally and smiling, you just hit the ground with whatever your activities are going to be, but a right. lot of times, especially the at the beginning, might... yeah, um. yeah, you're really warming a kid up, and so a lot of times I'll do a social game at the beginning mm-hmm. and uh, play with them that way, and I almost always will end that whole little social game period with Ring Around the Rosies because you end up sitting down. And if you do the game, you know, Ring Around the Rosies, pocket full of posies, ashes, ashes, we all fall down. And you place it so you and the kid are right beside your therapy bag, then you can just reach right behind you, pull that toy out, and boom, you are ready to go. And so it might take a couple of rounds or a couple of different social games to kind of work that in. But I like Ring Around the Rosies for that reason because of how you end it sitting down. And you often can go right into that first activity. And that's a, that's a great point and a great strategy for kids who are runners. Mm-hmm. You give them that movement within the context of Rosies. And if I think that they know, need a lot of movement, boy, and we're going fast and I'm kind of dragging them and slinging them and <laughs> doing whatever I need to do to feel like I get them, again, revved up enough to regulate. And so you might uh-huh. play that three or four times, but then you're already ready to plop down, bring out your first toy and kind of get it going from there. So I think it really sets the stage. In uh, Teach Me Talk, the therapy manual, in the back in Chapter 10, there are a couple of different sample session outlines, and we referred to that last week, but 
this week, I want us to take a look at those. And that's one of the things that I say is on the first session outline for children who are at about the 12-month level is to begin with those social games because sometimes you're still working to really get those kids connected with you and to get them to want to play with you. And so it, it you don't need it for a lot every of the kind time, of kid. I mean, 12 yeah. months old, that's almost always an issue of the kids we see. Right. If they're two and a half mm-hmm. and functioning at that developmental level, that's a mm-hmm. good opening strategy is to think about mm-hmm. using a social game because it gets them connected with you, it pulls them in, it gets them um, less distracted by things that they could have been engaged in when you were walking in their homes, and it just sets the tone for you are going to play with me and you are going <laughs> to like it and we are going to have a good time together. And so I think it is. And you're going to focus on me. Yeah, like right. Spectrum kids, you know, those are the right. ones that yep. you got to set from the beginning. You, I'm here to play and you're going to be a part of it. And social games are usually a great way to do it. And, Laura, you have many, 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 many ideas in your manual Teach Me to Play with. Teach you, teach you to play with me? Is that it? Teach me to play with you, almost. Te- Those pronouns are <laughs> tripping you up today. Yeah, really. Um, tons of teach ideas. Teach me to play with you, yeah. Teach me to play with you. Um, tons of ideas, you know, for all different levels. So even those kids right. who you can't engage at all, the simple, 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 simple ones are the place to start. And she has specific ideas spelled out exactly how to do them and when to do them and how to tweak them and how to Yeah, and what else. to do if it doesn't work, what you could mm-hmm. try. And so um, that's a good one, too. I'd forgotten to mention that in a long time. Okay, I think our caller's here. Oh, yay. Let's see. Hi Hello. there. You're on the air. Hello. Hey, can you hear me? I yes. can hear you great. Oh, good. This is Erica. <laughs> I'm so glad to talk to you guys. No, wait, We're so glad you could join us. I know. This is nice. It's kind of surreal because I'm so used to having like a one-way conversation with you guys, and now it's like I can talk to you guys. This is weird. <laughs> hey, her name is Erica. Is that Erica. what you yes. just asked? Yeah, it's Erica. Okay, Erica. okay, Erica, give us your little, give us your blurb about you so we'll know what you do and and do you do home visits with kids yes. or are you a speech pathologist? Yes, yeah. So I'm a speech pathologist and I work with um, kids in their homes, birth to three. And um, so when I found your website and your podcast, I was like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe there are others out there. You know, I mean, you always know there are, but you yeah. feel like you're like the lone ranger sometimes, you know, because you're so used to working on your own with the families. Right. And so it's really nice to hear you guys talking just to get your oh. ideas and well, we're so glad yeah. you like it we're yeah. so glad you like it and have benefited now how long have you listened have you listened for a um, while gosh i think it's probably been a year oh, that wow, i've been good. listening to your podcast and i've i've listened all the way whenever you guys started i've listened to um previous podcasts so yeah it's really been great that is awesome. That's a little scary, isn't it, Gabe? It's kind of, you think it's surreal for you. It's really surreal when you're the person going, really? Seriously? But that's sweet. And we're glad you called in because it's fun to get to talk to real-life people. So. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I don't know what. I was just going to say, this podcast, and we have said it before, 
But this really is how Kate and I became friends, is talking about our jobs. We had we have known each other for a long time now, but we did not know each other before we were both therapists in southern Indiana and then just became friends and so many of our conversations sounded just like the podcast sounds now and that's why we started doing a podcast because my husband, Johnny, who's the other half of Teach Me to Talk, would say, you know, you and Kate, how can we bottle that? How can What can we do with that? Because he would hear... These conversations, and so we kind of joke about that, but a lot of times this is what we talked about for years and years. So for somebody to say that they listened to that for a long time, it still kind of freaks us out. And, Kate, you haven't gotten to hear other people say that as often as I have. No, thankfully. I fly under the radar. I only do the call-in show, and I really don't like Even when it comes up at a person's house, I'm always like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, like a mom said to you, what, two weeks ago, oh my gosh, are you the Kate on that show? And that was amazing <laughs> to you. She was searching, you know, language development and all that. She was working, but she was able to be on the internet. So she was searching it and she said, I found this website. It was called Teach Me to Talk. And then she said, I looked and she said, It's Kate. Is that our Kate? That can't be our Kate. Well, it is our Kate. I was like, Oh. <laughs> I know, and I still can't share numbers with Kate. I still can't tell her, this many thousand people listened to the show last week because that <laughs> still freaks her out a little bit. So it's nice to have someone call in so she doesn't yeah. think I'm making all of that up. Uh-huh. So thank right, you so Ms. much Erica, for calling, so wait, We want more scoop on you. How long have you been a speech therapist with zero to three-year-olds? Um, well, I started off in the schools um, about 15 years ago, okay. and um, working with elementary kids um, at, in the school system. And then I had my own kids, and so then I decided to um, do the home sessions, like birth to three, and not mm-hmm. in the schools because of meetings and everything else. So mm-hmm. I've been doing um, the early intervention services for nine nine years now. Okay. Uh-huh. So, so a yeah. long time. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, I still feel like I'm trying to organize myself yeah. better and just kind of fine-tuning things. So when I found you guys, it was just so awesome to get your ideas. And I love your manual and everything else that you've put out there. So it's so helpful. It really is. Well, Laura is, you know, she says we talked. Really, she mentored me for years and years and years, and she still mentors me. It's really nice to have, like, you know, if if I need a consult, I just call Laura and say, okay, here's the deal. (laughs) Yeah. She gives me free free opinion. Yeah, Yeah, here's my, and and anymore, I don't waste any time. It's like, I've got this kid, he's 22 months old, this is what he's doing, what do you think? (laughs) Yeah. 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 And it's fun. It's yeah. fun to be able to do that, Erica. Do you not have anybody locally that you can do that with? I do have a couple, um, but it seems like we're so busy and um, yeah. it's hard to get those phone calls in sometimes. Right, You know, right. with yeah. family and work and everything else. Oh, we but, know. There are times we do. go a day or two without actually connecting because in between her life and my life, it's hard to get it to work out, but... Yeah, but it is so helpful to bounce those ideas off of, I think. So, yeah, I I can see the benefit. Especially with anymore, I really only 
consult with kids that are for somehow giving me a real challenge. And we all get those on our caseload now and again. Yeah. You know, it's like, okay, I've tried all my tried and true tricks, and it is just really not coming along the way I'd like it to. And that's when it's really nice to have somebody say, what do you think? Give me some thoughts. What haven't I tried? You know? <laughs> yeah. And sometimes just confirmation that you're doing the right things right. and mm-hmm. just someone else to say, hang in there, you know, tweak it this way, tweak it that way. And I call you about stuff like that, Kate, and say, okay, let me tell you what this kid did today. And yeah. one of us can usually come up with an alternative or, again, a little tweak to what we might be doing. Or sometimes it just, even as you're talking about a kid out loud, you yourself think, oh, my goodness, why didn't I think of that? Why didn't I look at it this way? Yeah, it does I, you know, kind of help just, that way sometimes. Yeah, kind of that mental mm-hmm. rehashing that you do that you can't always objectively do when you're right there in the middle of the session. So I think it's really important for everybody to have those kinds of friends that they can call and bounce things uh, off of. But I know that we are that for a lot of people, and that's fun. I mean, it's a dream come true for me. I still can't believe that we get to do it, so it's pretty cool. Well, you have to um, really have a a lot of kind of respect for what what the other person says. You know what I mean? You can't just tell anybody and assume they're going to give you an answer that you think is right. Yeah. (laughs) So so I could see where, I mean, there have been therapists that I've worked with before, and I, I probably wouldn't ask them necessarily because I don't necessarily always think their answer is, you know, reasonable. So um, when you find that, that that's golden. My problem is my reasonable person has gone viral. So <laughs> <laughs> now she writes books. I have to read the book. <laughs> so funny. Well, Miss Erica, did you have questions for us today? Were there any specific things that we can help you with or kiddos oh, that you God. need a fresh idea with? Oh, my goodness. Well, I could probably talk to you for hours. Um, I don't know. You know, there's this one little girl that I work with, and she's, um, and this might be just too much, I don't know, but she's um, 24 months of age, and she has a hearing loss. Mm-hmm. And she got a cochlear implant, and prior to the cochlear implant, um, she was using 50 words and sign language and just like a couple spoken words. And so the family decided to get her a cochlear implant. Um, and then now she's not using any of her signs, and she's wow. not using any spoken words. Wow. Um, she's vocalizing a little bit, but I am so thrown off by her. And I've always been a little concerned because um, she did have some physical delays where she's working with a PT and OT, um, uh-huh. and she's not yet walking. She's, there's there's so many issues, I think. Um, right. Like she doesn't have her vestibular system or something where she, so right. her balance is off. Uh-huh. Right. Um, and so this this one is my trickiest kiddo that I'm working with out of all the families, and I'm just thrown off it. She's lost all her signs. And I've had some concerns with, like, I don't know, like autism, spectrum yeah. disorders pops in my head, but I don't really know anything about it to really know how to bring it up with the family and... 
Um, what other red flags does she have developmentally that would make you think that with being on the spectrum with a social communication disorder other than regression? You know, regression, any time right. you have a kid that loses that much language, and even though those were signs, that's still language. And that's right. still a whole bunch. I mean, that's really unusual to lose yeah. that much stuff. I would be really, really worried. I mean, what are her mom and dad yeah. saying about that? They, they, they just, they've, and I brought up the concern, um, and they said she's always just done things her own way, um, and that's how she was with um, crawling. Like, she didn't start crawling until, gosh, after 15 months of age, maybe. So it was okay. super late. That's you know? pretty late, yeah. yeah. It is. Um, and yeah. when okay, she well, wouldn't, go ahead. Oh, I was going to ask you, how dramatic was the loss? Like she had 50-plus signs, a few words. She got the implants. How old was she when she got the implants, and how rapid was the loss? Um, she just she just got the implant a couple months ago, and even prior. And so this is what throws me off, too, is before the implant, she started combining phrases so she was um with her signs right yeah so she was doing like two uh-huh. word phrases uh-huh. and um her pretend play was i was amazed at like we were putting dolls to sleep she was saying night night baby like in signs like night uh-huh. night baby or Shh, yeah. baby like putting her finger up to her mouth and saying signing baby and things like that and so she, uh-huh. and she was feeding the baby and then i um, was telling the baby to wake up and then she got the implant, and it was like, you know, she probably uses five signs. And the five signs are more, like, um, related to her favorite toys. So it might be um, her elephant toy that she finds elephant and points at it. But then it's like, oh, my gosh, what happened to the phrases that we were using? Right. And then now, and so she's always kind of, it's, I've always had to try to work to get her attention and to make eye contact and to initiate play with her and communication. And now it seems like it's just been more of a struggle where uh-huh. she just, she's not really caring. She doesn't care if I'm – it's almost like she doesn't care if I'm there or not. Like she would be happy if I was in the other room doing something else and she could do her yeah. own thing. Mm-hmm. Um I'd be pretty concerned about her being on the spectrum, too. Yeah. Just from that report. And, you know, she that's probably, you had the concerns before, but it seems right. like now those things have intensified. And I think what makes that even more um, obvious or scarier is because she has the cochlear implant now, and you're thinking, gosh, she should be really making huge developmental gains. Right. And instead, we have major regression here. Have her other therapists noted since she's getting PT and OT? Have you had a chance to talk with them about the regression? Yeah. Have they noticed things? Yeah. yeah. And what I have just, they said? Um, I just talked to them um, a couple weeks ago, and she's going to um, like a learning center and where they have OT and PT services uh-huh. available there. And um, we had been in communication and. They were asking, like, how services were going at home, and I let them know, like, I my concerns, and um, 
They had said, yeah, she doesn't really make eye contact with us. She doesn't really care to interact with us anymore. Um, she'll go around and play with the other, play around the other kids. Mm-hmm. Like, and look at the toys, but she doesn't really try to initiate or do any, um, she doesn't really communicate at all over there. She's just in her own little world kind of thing, mm-hmm. it sounds like. Yeah, and I think you've got so many different layers with this kid. You know, she has the physical issues plus mm-hmm. the hearing loss plus this big red flag developmental stuff that it's going to be hard to sort all of that out. What I would probably do, Erica, is take a look at the MCHAT, you know, which is a checklist for yeah. um, ruling out or deciding if a child needs further developmental assessment, I would probably, and I posted a link to that a few weeks ago, okay. or maybe now it was a month ago, on TeachMeToTalk.com's Facebook page, I would probably go back and print that and then talk with the parents about that this week and just, or whenever you can get up enough courage, and yeah. just say that you're very concerned about this and she has so many issues going on that you don't want to let too much time go by before you start talking about what you fear could be a real developmental setback. And I know that's going to be a really hard conversation to have, but I probably having something like a checklist or a tool will help you quantify those concerns so that yeah. you're not just sitting going, ah, uh, I'm right. worried because, you know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> yes, I know. Um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You've got a tool there. So that's what I would do, and I would probably say, okay. I've spoken with her other therapist, and we're all kind of worried about this, and I feel like because I'm your communication person, we need to talk about what else might be going on because I bet those yeah. poor parents are just thinking, okay, we've had this major procedure here. What the right. heck is up? And otherwise yeah. they might think that just might be a part of kind of what happens after you get a cochlear implant, that oh, there's like an adjustment yeah. period or something, and you don't want them right. to think that because that's not, you know, I haven't worked with children with the cochlear implants because our system in Louisville, if we, if any kid has a hearing uh, loss, they pretty much go to uh, Louisville Deaf Oral School, or what do they call it now, Katie, mm-hmm. Kaiser Institute or something. I mean, we have such a... A big city. I still thought it was Louisville Deaf Oral, so there you go. Yeah, they have a place to go, and they really go there, which is best because they get therapists who do nothing but deal with the same right. type of kid, and they specialize, and, and it's they can do it because it's big enough here. So, and that's what I was about to say is I have such lim- I've treated children with hearing loss, but never one who's gotten a cochlear implant, and never one with severe hearing loss. These have been children with mild or moderate impairments that for whatever reason got someone outside of that system because our our state or our city is set up so that if somebody specializes in that, you're going to get all the kids with that diagnosis and they're not even going to go out to someone else. So I don't know if, I guess your situation is different than that. Well, and I, I do have a background with um, working okay. with kids with hearing loss, so that's probably why, too. And that was Well, that's you, one of the then. Concerns. You're the yeah. specialist for that. Yeah. Okay, so but you've I've never, never really seen had, No, so this is like I've read about, you know, like kids on the spectrum, um, 
but I've never worked with any. I mean, I've I've worked with some like with um, sensory issues more, you know, but never uh-huh. really full on the spectrum. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't know, like how to even address this or. You know, well, is that wanna... because you really work with a lot of hearing impaired kids, or yes, yes, okay, okay. Because well, to us, we—I mean, I can't imagine saying that I'm in early intervention and I don't see kids on the spectrum because I have a pretty high percentage of kids on the spectrum, whether they're diagnosed or not. Yeah. So. And I might be but, the first person that starts thinking that and pointing that out to mom and dad. Mm-hmm. Other than you know the our initial people sometimes sometimes recognize that and sometimes they don't. Right. Um, and so I understand Kate's question, you know, in saying um, how you know how how could that happen in this day and age? With, yeah, you know, but if you're so many, really specialized, you know, yeah. We were just having a conversation a couple of weeks ago, Laura, about you know, how it really is such an epide- epidemic and how we see so many kids anymore on the spectrum and. You know, so you just have had a kind of a specialized practice, and mm-hmm. you, you have a kid now who's a little different, hearing impaired. Right. But, uh-huh. but see, your experience alone, Erica, is enough for you to say to parents, "Look, I work with hearing impaired kids all the time, and this is way different than that." Yeah. And let's talk yeah. about mm-hmm. how out of the norm this is, and let's talk about all the things that are not related to. Um hearing loss, things that we are yeah. really, really concerned about beyond that. And so you're actually in a better position to talk about that than a therapist who, even a therapist who's had more experience with children on the spectrum because to you yeah. it feels and looks so different. Yeah. That that should really be a huge, huge red flag for you as it is because yeah. you're talking with us about it. And you can yeah. really use your experience with telling parents this isn't related to hearing loss. This isn't really, right. you know, really talk about that mm-hmm. and use your background to I almost kind of wonder, that. really, just from what you said, and, I, I, you know, we, it's easy for us to play armchair quarterbacks because um, we don't ever see these kids. So who knows, I could be way off base here. But it almost kind of sounds like she could have a syndrome. I, I wonder about yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. And Those are very yeah. late gross motor milestones that she right. exhibited. That, the autism doesn't account for that really either. I mean, right. sometimes yeah. they have gross motor delays, but not like that typically. The the, the profound hearing loss, you know, it just kind of makes yeah. me think, hmm, yeah. wonder if that's a syndrome, kid. Does well, she and they have looked into they have looked into it and they haven't found anything. But she was born with um, cleft lip and palate, and you know, like oh my, well, then, yeah. I mean, it's, so it's been. I mean, oh, I mean, I think the parents have been just so overwhelmed with the whole process. You know, like yeah. right. first it was just feeding, and the next it was you know, walk, or crawling, and then walking, and now talking, and then hearing, and. So oh they gosh. have been on like a roller coaster, I think. And then right. they, ha- you know, they have another, um, an older child that things are going on too. And so I think oh. they're just like, oh my gosh, when are we getting a break? Right. But, and that's and how so I would feel I'm, too. Yeah. 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 On top of everything else in life, but yeah. So I'm. So I, I guess I'll have to have this conversation with them this week, and I yeah. think and the checklist will help. 
Yeah, and regression is not a part of typical development. I mean, it's yeah. really not. You don't lose the ability to do something like have 50 signs and even be combining some of those and your play skills. You don't really lose right. all that. I mean, that's not normal. And so you can talk oh. about that and, again, use your previous experiences with working with children with hearing loss and saying, and this isn't your first kid to get a cochlear implant, right? Right, right. So you can really talk about how that normally what you would have expected to see versus mm-hmm. what you're seeing and how that makes you even more concerned mm-hmm. and really walks them through that process because you can't really wait three or six or nine months to right. start talking about this <laughs> Yeah, uh, because that's not fair to anybody. And even though mm-hmm. it's scary and you feel like, oh, my gosh, I don't really quite know what to say or how to say it, you do know that it's different than what you've seen before and mm-hmm. what you expected to happen. And so I would just really approach it from that real point of concern and just honesty with the parents and, mm-hmm. and really just, you know, with as much compassion. Yeah. <laughs> just tackle it from that aspect because you know what you're saying is so out of the norm for what you expected to happen mm-hmm. and that's a lot of issues for one yeah. kid and one family that's a lot yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah they may be uh, you know maybe they're not emotionally ready to move forward with figuring out what's going on I could certainly understand that and in that case you've at least been honest with them and shared your concerns and then you're going to do what you can do to help her one way or another. So mm-hmm. sometimes parents, you know, sometimes they immediately say, "Okay, well, I'm going to what should we do?" and then you can give them suggestions about where they she might be evaluated or, you know, all kinds of suggestions. But sometimes it sounds like they're a little bit overwhelmed already. So it may be that they don't really act on what you say, but at least you've said it. And sometimes it just feels, it's kind of, you know, you feel like at least you've been honest in a in a right. considerate, you know, compassionate sort of way, and then you yeah. need to let it go. You know, yeah. sometimes when you share that. And so I've had right. experiences where I've been on teams where therapists shared it, and then it almost became like, something they kept bringing up and bringing up and bringing up. And sometimes parents just really aren't there yet. They are not ready to hear it. They they can't deal with it emotionally. They just, it, you know, it's too much for them. It's overwhelming. And I get that, you know. I mean, that's a very big thing to come to terms with. And I do think it's our duty to be honest and share your concerns. And yeah. I think Laura's suggestion about the the MCAT thing is great because then you do have something concrete to say, you know, here's why I'm concerned. She fell into the very concerned category or whatever they call mm-hmm. it, you know. <laughs> so mm-hmm. She you know, got, and, and yeah, and that test, the MCAT, it's, um, there, it's a yes and no. I don't know. Have you used that before, Erica? It's a real easy, okay, it's a really easy set of questions. And it's very, it's, they'll have I mean, I think you can almost over-identify children with this because it's the the criteria is pretty low to say. And you're really, all this tool is, it's a screening tool, and it just says whether a child 
it needs to be referred on or is considered to be at risk and needs further testing. So you, there's always something, you know, I think sometimes therapists think, oh, I'm not qualified to make a diagnosis of autism. This is not that at all. It's a tool, yeah, this is a uh, screening just a screening. Tool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so and it, it's, it's really pretty straightforward and pretty simple. And I think it's, I don't remember the exact numbers, but it's something like if you have four questions or five or something that you've answered, I, and, again, they're not all yeses and not all noes. It'll, there's a scale there that will say if you answered yes to these questions, yeah, the child they, should be referred on. If they flagged X number yeah. of points, then right. there's reason to refer on. And that's a great starting point but like I said just that's how I address these things in my middle age is that I do I say what I think needs to be said and then they either choose to to act on it or they don't and then Uh I continue to do what I think is Uh going to be most beneficial for that child and I try and let it go and for that kid it's just going to be starting over with the signs that she's had I would just work to get those back and work to, you know, work toward verbal imitation with those words because Mm -hmm. at some point she understood them and used them. Right. And so I would just, that's what I would start with. Those would be my targets. I wouldn't try to do anything new and different at this point. I would stick with her tried and true and see what you can do about helping her find those signs and words. And, okay. and work. Do you think work the parents there. have quit using signs as much as they did, or were they, you know, they, have they? I, think, I don't think, well, they've been really well. Um, Colorado has um, sign language instructors that come into their house once a week as like a therapy, oh. too, to help the families learn sign language, if that's, that's an area cool. that's that you want cool. to learn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um They've actually been really consistent at learning the signs, and they might not sign everything, like, when they're talking, you know, like, around her, but they try to communicate with her with sign language and talking, you know. So they haven't, because I could see where some people might think, well, she has implants now. We don't need to do the signing. So it's not that they've shifted what they're doing. It really is just that she is not as responsive as Mm -hmm. she was. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I would really work with to get those things back. You know, okay. work on what her previous um her previous established signs were and you know, again you're gonna she's hearing now, so you're gonna want mm-hmm. to double your efforts with helping those become verbally imitated if she's ready for that. And the other thing I would just really focus on is getting that consistent social interaction so that she cares that you are in the same room with her. Yeah. (laughs) You know, that's scary when a a therapist or a parent says she doesn't really care that I'm there. Yeah, it's like she looks right through me when I'm playing sometimes, or it's like, whoa, I just lost you. Yeah, it sure does sound like she's on the spectrum. Although I I will say there are some syndromes. There are some syndromes that kind of present that kids can look pretty darn spectrum-y. And the only reason I brought up the syndrome thing is because she does have the physical stuff. I mean, not only the lay, but she had the cleft lip and palate. She has profound hearing loss. She, you know... A lot of times when you start seeing a lot of physical stuff, usually right. spectrum kids are, for all practical purposes, for lack of a better term, normal physically, 
you know, they... Except for the gut problems. But we won't yeah. even talk about that right now. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I understand what but Kate's you know, saying about yeah, that. They don't yeah. Have, they don't have hearing loss. They All that other stuff going on. Gross motor delays. They, yeah. She has a lot mm-hmm. of other physical stuff. But it could be just autism and she was, you know, has a hearing loss and a cleft lip and palate. Yeah. But and um, that gross motor delay, yeah. Right. 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 Yeah, that's a hard kid. That's a hard kid. It is. And, yeah. So and I'm will sure... Will you help me? Will you help me again? So, okay, so when I go into this house, <laughs> I need to practice this. Yeah. So you can I'll bring practice. in the training tool and... Yeah. Um, I'll say, you know, I'm, you know, this is my concerns that we've been talking about is that she's regressed in her language, and that's not typical in the development. She's not interacting the same as she used to. Um, and so, how do I bring up the screening tool? Like, what and would say, say? any time that we suspect a regression of skills, it always makes us want to really quantify that and see if it's just something that that I'm seeing or if we want to make sure that that this isn't just something that's limited to speech therapy sessions, and you know that it's not because you've talked to your right. therapist, but you want to say, yeah. I want to just let's work through this tool and let's talk about it because we're going to talk about how she is all the time, not just when mm-hmm. we're hearing speech, because I want to know that I'm providing you the very best help for her, and if we're seeing regression across the board, that is a big deal, and I am really worried. And then yeah. just go right into your tool and just say that you really want to use something that you make sure that you're not just talking about how she's been in therapy with you. You want to talk about all, how she is the whole rest of the time. And the questions address that. You know, they'll okay. say, does she like to be bounced on your lap? Does she like to, you know, does she like it when you swing her? I mean, there are lots of other questions that you wouldn't know. You know, you're okay. not going to be able to fill out right. the questions for her because you're not there the whole right. rest of the time. And so that's how I would address it with I want to ta- I want to see if we're seeing this regression across the board and let's talk about some things that that could mean. Okay. And your voice will shake and you will be scared. Yeah. But that's I'm okay. Now, baby. <laughs> <laughs> but that's good. That's good. That needs to be addressed, you know. So that yeah. you're very helpful. It almost, it, I mean, and we've all been there, Erica, so don't feel like you're the Lone Ranger here. I, you know, it's, it comes up on a regular basis when you do see kids on the spectrum in particular. That can be a really tough thing to talk about. No, it almost always is, except for the moms who say, do you think he's autistic? Yeah, yes, I think I do. <laughs> uh, then there's the opposite extreme where it almost becomes this elephant in the room where you're thinking, I think it is, I think it is, I think it is. Yes, it's probably. I'm thinking almost for sure it is. Yes, I know it is. And maybe you're a little more tentative because you really haven't worked with that many kids on yeah. the spectrum. but. Right. Yeah. yeah. Once the longer, the more exposure you get. Not that you necessarily dive right in with the parents. I certainly don't. But um, it depends on the situation, and it depends on on how comfortable you are with them and with the child, and and how comfortable you are with the thought. Once you you really get to the point where you think, yes, I think almost for sure, even though I'm not diagnosing her, mm-hmm. I'm pretty certain. You know, I you know yeah. I feel pretty much like that's probably what this is, and, you know, you do it in a in a tactful, 
compassionate way and um, let the chips fall where they may. But at least you've been honest yeah. and you've shared your concerns. Yeah. And they may do something and they may not, but at least you can kind of sigh a little. And, and here's another thing that I do on a fairly regular basis. Once I have that initial autism conversation, if I am dealing with a family that really just is not ready to go there, and sometimes, you know, it's pretty obvious. They say, like, I don't think it is. I, You know, I, I'm not ready to hear that. I don't think so. What I generally do a lot of times is kind of switch to, I, I kind of, because I don't feel like it's my place to convince a family or force a family or coerce a family into acting or not acting, I begin to talk on a regular basis about the the specifics, the, the lack of social connection, the lack of eye contact, the yeah. um, the non or limited reaction to what's being said to her. The you know, so you're going to talk about her receptive language. The regression. Yeah. The regression. All those things that that really you know, when you put them all together, you get a diagnosis of autism. But if parents aren't ready to hear that. That's whether or ready to accept it's autism is important long term, but in the short term, what's important is that you get them to focus on the things that are are major red flags and major weaknesses or areas of you know um, concern for you. So that's what I do. I kind of switch to okay, I'm not going to bombard you with autism, 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 but you do want them to put primary focus on social connection, receptive language uh-huh. skills, play skills, you know, all the use of early gestures, use of those signs she had, you know, all the things that you have seen flip, flip, flip. They need to be yeah. kind of encouraged to dig deep and start to refocus on those things because a lot of times parents don't necessarily recognize it's not just the words they quit saying, you know, which is, of course, yeah. the most obvious thing, and it is a reason for concern. But it's also, she doesn't really care if I'm here anymore. She doesn't really right. play the games. She doesn't really play with baby, and she used to like baby, you know. Uh-huh. And a lot of times I think parents, oh, they they may not uh, stay as committed to those things unless somebody's telling them these things are really terribly important. And because uh-huh. they te- they follow a kid's lead, and when a kid loses interest, there's nobody there to bring them the doll anymore. They may not know that it's still really important that she engage in those functional play things and those early pretend things, and, you know, they're going to have to work a lot harder to get her to do it, just as you are. Yeah. So that's what I kind of do is switch to those building blocks you know, those developmental things that I've seen slip and say, we used to get this. We need to try and really try and get this back. Yeah. You know, not just not just the words, but all those things that went with the words. Mm-hmm. Right. And for you, Erica, since autism has not been your thing, um, autismspeaks.org okay. has lots of really great tools for you and for parents and again it's not ri- it's really written as a public service for parents but if you've not really seen a lot of kids on the spectrum that's a great place for you to start because okay. there are there of course some uh, things about diagnosis and symptoms and learn the signs and then there are also 
you'll be able to pass some of these links on if you get to that point with the parents. But if you don't, you've still brushed up on <laughs> making sure yeah. that you feel more confident in talking about that, especially since this is outside your clinical um, mm-hmm. area of experience right now. But I think that yeah. does put you in a better position almost to talk about it because you you know that these things aren't necessarily hand-to-hand appearing off and what you mm-hmm. would have expected to see after her cochlear implant. And that's not withstanding all the other stuff she's got going on, too. Right. So that might be something for you, too, is just take a look at AutismSpeaks.org. I like I like their stuff, and I, I refer to them a lot and refer parents to them. And then I have some stuff on TeachMeToTalk.com in the autism category, but I think you better start with that stuff on Autism Speaks first. Okay. Right. It's kind of the gold standard of autism websites, and it is good. Yeah. But, you know, it doesn't really matter ultimately if this is autism or a syndrome or, not. or whatever. Yeah. yeah. I mean, really, because you're still treating this real live little girl and she still has yeah. the same. Obviously, regression is a part of whatever it is, and it's pretty significant regression. Yeah. So, sounds most like autism, but could mm-hmm. be some obscure syndrome that they just haven't quite figured out yet. It doesn't matter. You still have to. Refocus on gonna, all those skills she lost. Right, and still address mm-hmm. her social skills, her receptive language, and her expressive language. Yeah. You can do this, Erica. Oh, you guys are so <laughs> encouraging. Thank you. It's you hard, though. Great. I, it is. I, I, ooh, those conversations are always hard. hard. I hate, yeah. I hate oh, them, yeah. but, but... But, you know, I, and I really do think the family um, from our last conversation, they are... They're wondering, too, now, I think, like, right, you know, and so I think it's just nice to also have the other professionals. I'm glad I'm not the only one working with right. her, but I'm glad the other ones, too, are kind of wondering what's going on now. So, mm-hmm. so that's been helpful, too. So, and then you guys, this has been great. Thank you so much. Oh, you're so welcome. Thank you so much for calling. We really yeah. love to hear from Therapists who listen for a while and who have um, questions, and thank you so much too for how you've encouraged us, and it just um, makes us want to keep. And on we're going to reserve you as our, our as our go to reference if and when we ever get a kid with a cochlear implant. But so far, oh, <laughs> so far I have never had one, so I don't know that the odds are good, but never say never. If it happens, yeah. it is great to be able to talk to somebody who's done it and has a little bit of experience yeah. with it. So, Laura, put that in your Rolodex because we need to say it just in case we need that. You know, I always remember names, so Erica's going to be our person on that. <laughs> well, thank you for calling, Erica. Yes. Well, good luck. And, it, it, you know, you'll get through it. You may cry with the mom. I've certainly had that happen more than once, too. and that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's okay, but um, you know, at least you will have done what you really kind of need to do professionally, and then proceed from there. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Erica, right. I want to send you something to thank you for calling the show today. Uh-huh. Do you have? Have you ordered? Do you have my DVDs or no? You know, I have um, your apraxia one, um, and I have the therapy manual. And what else? Why do don't I, I send you I have... the receptive language stuff? Do you have that? Oh, teach, no, that teach would me be to great. listen and obey one and two. Shoot oh, me your that email. That would be wonderful. Okay. And I'm going to 
Since you teach me to listen and obey one and two, to thank you for being on the show, and I think it's probably where you need to start back with this little girl that we're talking about. It's working oh, on having her just really follow some some of those really simple receptive language yeah. things as you're kind of oh, rebuilding her skills. You. You're thank welcome. Thank you so, so much. Welcome. You are such a great resource, and to see you touching families all around the world is just like amazing Aww. to see. So. <laughs> I'm going to have to put Montana on your go-to list of states. It sounds like they have a pretty good program. I think she said she's yeah. in Colorado. Yeah, Oh, Colorado. that's right, Colorado. Okay, Colorado. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know where I got Montana, but well, Colorado's probably prettier, so that's okay. There you, yeah. go. there you go. All right, thanks so much for calling, Erica. Thank, we love hearing you. from you. And send me your email luck. so I can send you those DVDs. Okay, thanks, Laura. Okay, thanks, Kate. you're welcome. Thank you. Good luck. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. That was a great call. Uh-oh, I think I disconnected Kate. And so I think we're just going to be done for today. I hope you'll tune in um, next week to teach me to talk with Lauren Kate. Thanks so much. Bye-bye.